Hi, my name is Ali Sternberg. Welcome back to Crossing Paths, a podcast coming to you from Madrid, Spain, which is where I moved to in February of 2019 from New York City, along with my wife and our mini poodle. We are here because my wife is attending culinary school, and this podcast is an opportunity for me to do something that I really enjoy, which is meeting other people from all walks of life who are also living away from home, away from their culture, away from their norms. It's now 2020, and season one is coming to an end soon, but before we jump into today's episode, I want to ask a favor. Whether you're here for the first time or you've listened to every episode of the season, I'd love to know your thoughts, but mostly your questions about life abroad, Madrid, travel with a pet, the podcast, any of the guests, whatever it is that's on your mind, whatever the podcast brings up for you, um, so that I can respond in the season finale. You can DM me at CrossingPPod on Instagram, send me an email, CrossingPathsPodcast at gmail.com, or even, and this is the one that I really most want from you, uh, leave me a voicemail so that I can use in the episode by clicking on the link that you can find in the episode notes. In the meantime, please enjoy today's episode number nine. I crossed paths with Ryan Turner, originally from Atlanta. He's been in Europe since he was 22 years old. He's now 36. We trace the timeline of his original arrival in Italy, his move to Madrid, meeting his wife, having multinationality kids, bouncing around to a few jobs, his involvement with Democrats abroad, moving back to Italy, getting diagnosed with cancer and kicking cancer's ass, and then being inspired to start his own company back in Madrid. As always, I hope you enjoy our conversation. When did you move here originally? Are we recording? I just put it on. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here, by the way. So I first came to Spain in December of 2005. Yeah. I had been living in Perugia, Italy. I had graduated in May of 2005, and then immediately after I graduated, I went to Perugia, Italy with my former girlfriend. And For what reason? Well, um, I was a year ahead of her, uh-huh. so I graduated, but she had one more year left, uh-huh. and um, I didn't have anything to do. Sure. <laughs> so she wanted to spend her last, uh, she only had a semester left, and uh, she wanted to spend abroad. So she went to Italy. And was, uh, I'll go to Italy, yeah. And so we went, and um, she studied, and I kind of worked <laughs> did like Italian <laughs> classes and kind of worked and um, then after her semester ended we were looking for you know we wanted to stay abroad I heard about teaching English in Spain it's pretty easy to do mm-hmm. you can get certified and then get work and then we were looking for things to do so um, we, we decided to go to Madrid like so that December we moved to Spain and so December 2005 we moved mm-hmm. to Spain and um, I didn't like it at first. Yeah. You, you moved to Madrid? Moved to Madrid. Okay. Right. And I was a French major in college. Well, French and international relations double major. And I didn't really like the Spanish yeah. style. I had been kind of like... I had been in France. I lived in, in Paris, like studying abroad during my college years. Mm-hmm. And then I lived you know, right before in Italy. In Italy, yeah. And those are places that are a little bit more like, you know, fashionable, yeah. maybe like more externally, you know, like ephemerally. Yeah. Um, and Spain was just like, I remember like the first time I came to Spain, I went to like, I was hungry and I went to this place to eat. They had like 
eggs with like just mayonnaise on top, <laughs> like on like you know all exposed. Yeah. On the bar, you know. Now I look at it, I'm like, that's a Spanish bar. Right. Like, but I was like... At the time, you're like, what is this? What is this? Like, yeah. are these tapas? Like, and they had cheese just, like, floating in oil. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what do I... What do I do hungry? with this? What do I, yeah, what yeah. Do I order? So Especially like, if you're coming from, or you've had experience in France, or you've had experience in Italy. Yeah. Can the, I get, like, a croissant? Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, here's some eggs and uh, some cheese. And some and mayonnaise. Like, yeah. <laughs> here's some boiled eggs and mayonnaise. Yeah. So, um... That was, it was not a great experience. It took me some time, not a very short amount of time to get used to sure, Spain. Yeah. I think once you start going out, yeah. you're like, I love this place. Yeah, yeah. you're like, wow. And uh, we were living in this apartment with like 16 people when we moved here. It was so crazy. You were like 21, 22 I was old. like 21, yeah. 22. We lived in this like little apartment. There's like 16 people yeah. in our apartment. Like, it was, you didn't know who your roommates were because they had taken like, two pisos yeah and like I chopped it taking the wall yeah between taking that down made one common kitchen and then all these like little basically like hotel rooms because we had like a we had a a washing machine in our room in our bedroom yeah (laughs) and then you see you're like in the hallway going to the bathroom and you see someone that you don't know right you're like you were like in a hostel but it was a rented hostel exactly so um, that's when I came to Spain. That relationship didn't last very long. A couple months later, parted ways. And later in 2005, I met my wife. I met her out, like uh-huh. in a place if anyone's listening that knows this place called Barco on, uh, in Malasaña. Uh-huh. It's like this kind of funk, like bar, cool place. And um, Do you still go there? <laughs> no, but I was thinking the other day, like, wouldn't it be cool, like, for like my twentieth anniversary or something? Yeah, old times, like, like, just like rent it out. Yeah, I have to be balling by then, so hopefully, right. <laughs> rent it out and like do like a surprise anniversary in there. That'd be really if cool. She, if my wife is listening, it's not a surprise anymore. But, right, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was. Uh, I fell in love with Spain pretty quickly. Um, and then I got a reason to stay after I met my wife. Your I, wife is from Spain. And my wife is from Valladolid. I ended up teaching English, eventually moving in with my, with, with Loreto, her name is. Right. How many years? I taught English. Um, I got certified in some program. And uh, then started, I started work like immediately. It was amazing. This is before the Auxiliar program. Mm. So if people from Madrid are listening, everyone knows about Auxiliar. Yeah. But um, this was before all that. It was basically you get certified and then they guarantee work in one of, one of many academies that they had on their list of, of language academies. Yeah. And um, it was like the next day you get calls. Like, hey, can you, uh, can you take classes on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, oh, blah, wow. blah, from blah, blah, in BBVA or in, you yeah. know, you know, in uh, Accenture or Microsoft wow. or whatever. And it was great, but it was all under the table. It was oh, okay. all completely not legal. Yeah, and it gave it, it That's you know, crazy. the bills. Yeah, um, because the English teaching market was just as thriving back then uh-huh. as it is now. I mean, it was it was the same. It was just it was just like the Wild West, though. Yeah, like everything you'd go get paid, and they you get like an envelope of like you know nine hundred and fifty euros. Oh my god! You know, like yeah, that's your money. You're picking up double bags on the corner of the street for know. for English lessons. Nine hundred fifty. That'd be like I don't know if they paid you in pennies, right? <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, that was, I was teaching English for a while and it was something that allowed me to stay here and yeah. I didn't have to think too much about what I wanted to do. It's a great yeah. opportunity. Right. Yeah, it was, it was good. I, I enjoyed teaching English. Well, I enjoyed what teaching English allowed me to do, which uh -huh. was stay in Spain, be with my wife, uh -huh. you know, enjoy the Spanish lifestyle right. and not have too much stress from right. work. I mean, it's, it was pretty stress-free work and yeah. I wasn't working with kids. Hmm. Um, and I love kids, but you know, I was just basically go, most of my students were like, Hey, what'd you do this weekend? And you want to, they want to talk about that. And yeah. I have a whole lesson planned, but yeah. it doesn't matter because your students don't want to do the lesson plan. They just want to talk about right. you know, stuff. Well, yeah, I used to do most when I taught in Chile, I used to do most of my, uh, grammar lessons on like parties from the last weekend or like, I smoke marijuana. I smoked past tense marijuana this weekend. I have smoked. I have smoked marijuana. I will smoke. I will smoke. Yeah. Um, and I liked the contact with the students, but I didn't like the work. It was not fulfilling to me. I think I got to a point. Um, I got married in 2009, so okay. um, when I was 27. You've been here for about four or five years at that point. Yeah, I'd been here for about four uh, about four years yeah. and um, everyone's like oh you're so young I'm like yeah but not really yeah. and then at the same time <laughs> it's also like I didn't want to have to deal with going like when I had to go home like people have looking at my passport and being like yeah. why have you been here for so long yeah, and yeah. risking not being able to come back my life was established here mm. and I didn't feel comfortable having to go back to the states and risk not being able to come back to Loreto yeah. or whatever. So it's kind of like we married for love. Right. Definitely. But, I mean, being legal also helped a lot. Yeah. So um, got married, got my paperwork, got all that sorted, and then decided I was going to do a master's degree. Uh -huh. Got a master's degree in international relations with concentrations in geoeconomics and geopolitics from Autonoma, mm -hmm. the University of Autonoma de Madrid. And that was cool. I thought I wanted to go into like, you know, international relations, global institutions, yeah. the EU, the UN. I didn't really know what. I was just like, anything yeah. that has to do with like global something. I get that. Is what I wanted to do. And I was never really super focused. I just remembered in college, that's what I liked. Right. I liked, that's what I studied. And you already studied French. I studied and French and international relations. So it's a subject matter that I like. It's very, it's very multidisciplinary. Mm -hmm. So you learn a lot, a lot about political theory, a lot about geography, a lot about history, a mm -hmm. lot about a whole bunch of stuff. And so I thought that was cool. And I, I learned a lot, but it didn't help me one iota <laughs> right. uh, get a job afterwards. I got a job afterwards, but then it wasn't in that. Wasn't in that field. No, yeah. no, no. I started working for like a startup as a project manager okay. for like a, it's like a little tech startup. Yeah. And it was, it was good experience, not a lot of pay, but mm. it was like my first taste of like real yeah. work that's not related to teaching. I don't want to say that. I don't want to offend people. It's not, it, teaching is real work. It was more like a, like a, <clears throat> a full time. As yeah. Opposed to legal like work. Legal, <laughs> legal work, not under the table work. Right. Yeah. And, um, so that was, you know, very interesting. Um, and then it's just, uh, I've just changed a lot of jobs from then uh -huh. kind of, I was there for a while and then, um, I worked, I left there and went to work for a larger multinational global corporation called, it was at that point called IMS health. 
Uh-huh. They do like market research for the pharmaceutical industry. And I was a project manager there as uh-huh. well. Um, that was a lot of stress. Yeah. I had to, I had to like go on trips to like Sweden, Gothenburg, where they had the headquarters. It was, um, not that that part was stressful, but it was just a, mm. a heavy workload. Yeah. Managing like um, 40, between 20 and 40 people, depending on the project, that were conducting surveys under mm-hmm. me. And it was it was a lot of right. high stress environments. Yeah. So I, and maybe not, doesn't sound like exactly the type of thing you were really 100% into necessarily. No, yeah. I was not into it. The pay was good, but it was yeah. not great. And then uh, from there I went to... Um, I left that after, um, I think it was like seven or eight, eight, nine months. It wasn't a long time. Then I went to IE. Uh-huh. So business school. Yeah, the business school. But they have a university, mm-hmm. um, IE University. And I started as a program manager uh-huh. for the BBA program, which okay. is the business Bachelor of Business Administration. So right. It's, it's still all project-related work right. in various different fields. Just different industries, yeah. Right. And so I was working in IE yeah. here in Madrid. It's pretty well known. Yeah. And, it's um, very well known. Yeah. That, um, was where I was until 2016. It's when my wife got a, a job offer from a company in, in Milan. And then we went there and, uh, it was economically like a good decision. Yeah. It was just a lot of, it, it was a, a for her, she had reached like a glass ceiling in her yeah. in her job where she wasn't like seeing any possibilities of of moving up or anything like that. And then this landed in her lap, and uh, we had had uh, I missed. I yeah, I was gonna. Have, no, I was gonna say, I was gonna circle back. I was gonna say when when along this and along this period of time did you have kids? Yeah, so I had my son in 2013. Okay. Um, and uh, his name is Iago. Iago. Hi, Iago. He's not listening, I'm sure. <laughs> One day. He's not, he's not an avid podcaster. <laughs> he's more like, uh, he likes uh, Pokemon yeah. and stuff like that. That's fair. But, um, and he's six now. So um, we decided we were going to go to Milan. So you had your son, your son was born in Spain. Yeah, he was born in Spain. He was cool. born uh, here in Madrid. Yeah, yeah. And he, you went to Italy then, I guess, with him. Right. So by the time we went to Italy, he, he was already three. Three years old, yeah. And um, we uh, we went to Italy, and we were thinking, well, you know, Milan is international. It's Latin. You know, yeah. if there's any country that's kind of similar to the same lifestyle that we live here in Spain. It's a major city. It's a major city. You spoke Italian at this point? I didn't. I remembered a little bit, but not yeah. a lot. Your Spanish, I'm sure, was pretty good. My Spanish was like great. ten years of living in Spain yeah, at that point. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so that changed things though, because when I went to Italy, we arrived. Um, I was able to understand a lot more than I remembered when I was living there previously. Yeah. I remember being lost in Italy when yeah. I came there the first time because I didn't know any of it, mm. and knowing Spanish, like, really helps you it a helps. lot. Yeah. Really helps you a lot. Even communicating, like, you can communicate so I studied for a while and started looking for a job that was uh quite the experience there's so much that happened there I don't know was it something that you like you were both excited you were excited about it as a family to move to Italy to move to Milan or was it something like we just want to do this because it's a great work opportunity for for your wife it was um a great work opportunity more than anything Uh uh-huh I I keep I've skipped so much stuff but (laughs) that's um, all right 
I was also heavily involved with politics here in Madrid uh-huh. before, so I was um, involved with an organization called Democrats Abroad okay. right before I left for Italy. And uh, I was the Madrid chapter chair. Uh-huh. Um, and so that was cool, and I was in really heavily involved with all of the um, get-out-the-vote outreach that was happening right up to the 2016 election. Okay. Right. Yeah. Whole, I was a delegate for Bernie Sanders. Oh, wow. Went to the convention, voted, you know, was on the convention floor for that. Yeah. Whole debacle. And um, I, that was one of the, you know, that was another one of the things that was kind of like guiding my life yeah. at the time that Italy, the Italy decision landed in our lap. So you were still kind of, in that way, at least politically pretty tied to the U.S. Obviously, you have family in the U.S. Yeah, and lots of American expats that were living in mm-hmm. Spain. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah. I mean, you just I meet them all the time. Yeah. And they're, you know, putting on events, and they come, and they want to know how to vote. And I'm calling them, too, for Get Out, get out the Vote uh-huh. outreach efforts. Um, I was involved with Rock the Vote. I was involved with so many things, the embassy, right. getting involved, you know, getting invited to embassy events and stuff like that. I felt really involved. Yeah. But I wasn't really doing anything professionally besides working at IE. Right. And it wasn't... Um, but you had something very fulfilling you were doing at the same time. Yeah, I was meeting a lot of people. Yeah. I was meeting a lot of people and I had my name out there. And um, it was... I was like, yeah, I can move to Italy. They have Democrats abroad there. Yeah. And, um, I actually decided that I wanted to kind of like take a break from, from Democrats abroad. Um, the election happened... Uh, there, I remember going to like a watch party, yeah, and just like, just like just crying, yeah, like, being like, I'm glad I'm in Europe still. Like, oh my god, what just happened? Yeah, it was, uh, uh, you know, I'd already had disappointment with Bernie Sanders, right? Was Bernie Sanders, um, delegate. So then I was like, I don't want, I don't want to be involved, I want to kind of like focus on my family, yeah, focus on getting a job in a new country, right, and uh, in Italy, the um organization there had heard about some of the stuff that I'd been doing in Madrid like oh you're here you should, yeah. you should really get involved and run to be chair national chair I was like okay I'll do it I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not doing too, too many things yeah. I ended up uh, becoming the Italy national okay. chair for DA oh, wow. and staying involved with them um, from Italy and that was kind of good because it gave me some contacts of people that I kind of knew either through email or through you know cross paths virtually or through some kind of Europe, like we have uh, EMEA meetups mm. every every couple of years and so people that I had kind of met yeah you um, expanding your network yeah expanding my network so that was when I landed in Italy I mean you know getting in, my work my, my wife started her work yeah I tried to find work yeah I started getting involved with with uh, DA as a kind of like a hobby on the side passion thing election happened and I had struggled to find to find work it was, it was a good probably year before I found a job wow. it got to the point where it was like I was looking on LinkedIn and just putting in keyword like English right like it was just, just like anything that has an English speaking anything that needs anyone that needs someone that can speak English or Spanish uh, I was, I was right. literally just like English Spanish or Spaniolo yeah. Inglese. Yeah. Um, it came down to that and um, ended up getting hired by a company in a sales position that they needed someone that was speaking English and Spanish to help okay. sell their product. And 
I liked it. It was yeah. cool. I started. I started and started in sales. I'd never been in sales. It was a really cool experience to like learn how to sell. Really touch that whole area of business ever in my life. And I was just after a year, I was like, okay, thank you. Yeah. 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 Something that get me out of the house. Yeah. You know, I was you know getting my son to to school in the mornings right. and. Um, so you went to school in Italy. Yeah, because I guess he's around that around that age. Yeah, I went to preschool. I was like yeah. not real school. Still, yeah. yeah, he was he was in a small preschool um, for the first for the first year, and then my wife got pregnant while we were there in Italy, and uh, we had our second kid in 2017. So her name is Lydia. Lydia. She's definitely not listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's she's two, three. Yeah, she's two. And was, she, was she born in, in Italy or in Spain? Um, so she was born in Valladolid because uh-huh. we came back to Spain over the summer to gotcha. be with family and yeah. stuff. And so she was born during that trip back to Spain. Um, but we went right back to Italy okay. afterwards. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. As opposed to having like... I, mean, I love I love the the mixed nationality family, but you're gonna you're gonna have a right like a Spanish citizen son and an Italian citizen daughter daughter yeah yeah uh, well she wouldn't have been Italian because the way that the spent the European citizenship in general works is that your citizenship is passed down your nationality is passed down through uh, through blood. Uh, through, uh, through ancestry yeah oh I see yeah so regardless Spanish citizen yeah it's called like Judas. Sanguis? Yeah. <laughs> versus <laughs> That's juris, such an old world. Like, juris Terris. Like, yeah. um, uh, America is one of the only ones that does the Juris Terris. So right. If you're born in America, you get automatically American right. nationality. Are they dual? US, so, US Spain? Yeah, they they both have Spanish passports and American passports. Good for them. So it's, I guess you would, yeah, they're dual. Says they don't lose, Yeah. you don't lose your citizenship. That's a question I get no, you don't. Ask the no, you can be dual. Right. Yeah. So they've got both passports. That's great for them. Yeah. I think it's... I think that's awesome. It's the best of both worlds. It's, it's great. They could live in the U.S. and they could live... They could literally live and work anywhere in Europe. That, anywhere in the EU. Yeah. And I, I, I... Even though I'm very, like, American... Yeah. I want them to feel American. I recognize that that's not their... Not their, their path, reality. necessarily? They're, they, they might, you know... I don't know when they're older. They might want to discover America... You never know. Um, I don't know. Are they going to go to, in terms of like schooling and stuff here, are they going to go to American schools in Madrid? I know there's a lot of them or like the, a, reg- a, right. a regular. So my son is in the Italian school right down the street, okay. actually. Um, there's the official uh, Scuola Statale yeah. d'Italia, or I think that's the name of it, right down the street. Uh, here in uh, Nuevos Ministerios uh-huh. and he goes there the only reason we chose that school is because we didn't want him to lose Italian because he, he was there for three years right and uh, he, he spoke it you know perfectly yeah we didn't want him to lose it and then my daughter goes to a school in our neighborhood we live in a neighborhood here in, in Madrid called Lava Pies so your son's going to speak at this point I'm imagining three languages three languages yeah he yeah. speaks he says, he says he's Spanish Italian and in America. In America. Like, yeah, that's not how yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, why not? I'm like, well, because you've got two passports. Yeah. What's a passport now? Okay. You're a multi uh, Okay, you're three. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. You're Italian, Spanish, and American. Okay. But that's cool that he identifies with all three, at least like, you know, language. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's super intuitive. Mm. Like, he knows 
about languages and he hears French and he's like, oh, that's French. Uh Oh, that's like, he's very aware of different languages and different cultures. And that's, that's cool. I think it's a really good thing. Yeah, it's cool. What do you speak at home? Um, Mostly English. Mostly English. Me and my wife started speaking Spanish when we started dating. And so that helped my Spanish a lot. Yeah. And then once we had our, our son, um, we noticed that he was speaking a lot more Spanish than than English. I was worried. Yeah. And we got to speak more English. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, it's hard to raise, obviously I'm not doing it yet, uh, but to raise like a bilingual kids, I think you got to make a decision as to like what gets spoken in the household, especially yeah. if like Spanish is your outside environment. So he's going to hear Spanish yeah. and then go to school in by Italian default. by default. Right. And then English has to be in the house. I English guess. has to be in the house. So, um, you know, yeah. I, I noticed like when we would take trips to the States, like long trips, that's when his level would go way up. Right. So we spent one summer, like the summer of 2016, when we moved to Italy. Yeah. Before we went to Italy, we took like a month long trip to the States. We were with my mom and my family and stuff like that for like a month. And his English just shot, yeah. shot up. Yeah. Because he didn't have any other option. Like, right. It's like full immersion. Right. Because he can, he'll, he can say stuff to me in Spanish. And I can't be like, would you say? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, right. I can't play that card. I mean, I could, but it's stupid. Yeah, it doesn't make any it's sense not, for yeah. me to like under like to fake that I don't understand what he's saying. Right. Um, when did you move back from from Milan to Madrid? There's a there's a whole bunch of factors that made us move back. We moved back about th- two months ago um, to Spain after three years in in Milan. Uh-huh. The experience in Milan was difficult. Um, like I said, I. I taken me a while to um, find a job. I ended up finding a job in like the company that I was talking about, uh, being yeah. in a sales position. And um, shortly after I joined the company, I got diagnosed with cancer, lymphoma. It's uh-huh. called um, nodular lymphocyte predominant Hodgkin's lymphoma. Jeez. It's really rare. Like but super treatable. Super rare, but super treatable. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and they found it because I had like a lump in my neck. And it had been there for like a while. Yeah. Um, a whole bunch of stuff had happened to me. Basically, the first thing that happened was that right after I started working in this place, I had what I thought was an ear infection. Uh-huh. I had this like really horrible pain in my in my ear. Yeah. And I had had a lot of ear infections as a kid, so I was familiar with the, with the pain. You're like, oh, it's, it's probably not there. So I went to the doctor. The doctor was like, yeah, it's an ear infection. Here, take, take some antibiotics. Yeah. After three days, the antibiotics hadn't done anything and my ear was like the size of a cauliflower it was like, <laughs> like, or, like, like or like all those wrestlers that have just the the, oh, the it was, monstrous it was, it was horribly painful I started getting like these white papules oh. like little blisters on it yeah I was like this does not look like it was like a bad ear infection so I went back to the doctor and they were like um yeah we need to get you to the emergency room immediately and I had also that morning le- uh, uh lost feeling or lost uh Sorry, control of the left side of my face. Uh-huh. So I, I had feeling, yeah. but I couldn't move it until my face was like all like drooping down on yeah, the left yeah. side of my face. So I went to the, the doctor and he's like, yeah, we got to go to the, the hospital, got to go to the um, emergency room. And um, he was like, this looks like it could be something called Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. And Ramsey-Hunt syndrome is basically like herpes zoster virus, 
basically chicken pox and it remains dormant in your body. So if anyone's ever had chicken pox or shingles or anything, like right. that, it never leaves, like you still have, you the, have virus the virus in your body. Yeah. But um, sometimes people have chicken pox and then get shingles later yeah. in life. It's because this, the virus is reactivated. Well, this syndrome is that, yeah. but it's just in the ear. Oh so my God. the virus erupted yeah. in my ear. And that's why the antibiotics didn't work because it's a virus. Right. And antibiotics don't work with viruses. And so um, it, it basically inflamed the nerves in my face and it caused me to lose feeling. Right. And so I have this huge ear. Jeez. No feeling, like no no way to control the le- like complete loss of like paralysis in my left side of my face, and went to the emergency room. So I was in the hospital for like eleven days, ten eleven days. Yeah. And while I was in the hospital, they found like they saw this lump in my neck, and they were like, "It's not related, but we should get this looked at." Yeah, you're just having a you're having a month. It was you're bad. having a couple of yeah. weeks of just like. Back to back to yeah. back. So facial paralysis, I was in the hospital. That sucked because it, couldn't, it was really bad. And yeah. then um, they finally let me go. And But they signed me up for like an appointment, a future appointment. Went back to get the, 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 um, the lump looked at and the results came back inconclusive. Yeah. Um, then they, were, they did like a, tried to like draw cells from it. And came back inconclusive. Then they're like, well, let's just remove it. So I had to go back to the hospital. Yeah. Do a whole operation. It took like six hours. And they removed the lump and then sent it off to the lab for yeah. results. And um, when the results came back, it was right around Christmas time, actually. I remember 2017, um, the results came back positive for this type of cancer, lymphoma. Right. And um, so I was like, oh, God. Yeah. So like, yeah. New job. Um, facial paralysis yeah and now now cancer cancer which is you know that's the big that's a scary one yeah when they say cancer I think it was less impacting for me because they said it was all in Italian <laughs> you're like what are they like, saying they're like cancro I was like what yeah <laughs> cancer yeah. Um, I mean I, I'm joking but I, I mean yeah maybe, no, I imagine it was not a yeah, exactly. Like I can't that. imagine what you felt like in that moment, but it was so much going on because when they tell you you're like in another language, so I was like in Italian, and my Italian's pretty good now. Yeah, but it's still not like Spanish. Right, it's definitely not like English. So you know, you're like looking for words and yeah, asking questions. And the guy, my doctor, was like the least personable person on the face of the earth. He was like he was like a robot. Right. Because the, the people that, no, no offense to hematologists out there, um, but like someone that decides to study hematology, like, yeah, like, what about blood and platelets? Right, like, right. it really, really You know, like, moves what you. motivated you to dedicate your whole <laughs> life to that? Like, yeah. um, they're probably not going to be the most personable people. No, bedside manner is probably not their, their right. strong suit. Right, it's not their strong suit. Like, they're, they're scientists, and yeah. they, like, they like that part. So he, he did not have any of that. Right. So it was very... You got cancer. Next. You got cancer. Next thing you got to do... do, 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 yeah, do he, yeah. just, he just went through the... He just rapid fired through the motions. Got six months chemotherapy, R-A-B-B-D. Do, 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 do. Yeah. I was like, well... Uh, so, wait, I have to do chemo? Right. He's like, yeah. I was like, well, how will that affect me? Yeah. And, you know, he was like, oh, you can keep working. And lots of people work while they're on chemo. It's fine. I'm like, so it's like light chemo. And right. like, no, it's not light chemo. It's the same chemo that we give to people. <laughs> like it's a 
That's it's chemo. It's chemo. There's no like yeah. There's no like light. You're, so. you're doing all of this in Italy. Doing all this in Milan. And you had health insurance there. I, I hope. Well, I went through the night. I was debating. I had health insurance. I had private and public, and debating whether or not to do the private versus the public, mm. um, because actually the the treatment for my cancer was developed there. I see. In in that specific hospital. Wow. So I decided to go through the public, and um, it was. Uh, I ended up getting reduced from stage four to stage three uh-huh. because it depends on the amount of um, cells that they find in different areas of the body. So by the time I finally decided, it took me like a month or so to decide on a doctor. The stage had reduced, and so the treatment was no longer six. It was four months. Okay. So I went through four months of chemotherapy every two weeks. Yeah. yeah. While at the same time working yeah. with a newborn baby oh and, my God. and with my son. Yeah. And um, it was like I was like juggling. Yeah, you're and juggling like and then you're going through flow. like physical yeah tolls. Yeah, yeah. My nails, all my nails turned black. I did I was like one of the few people that they'd ever treated whose hair didn't fall out. Huh? Like my hair didn't fall out. It must have strong. Hair. Yeah, you got some. Like I got now gray hair, like on like on my chest and on yeah. my beard. <laughs> that that happened. Yeah. Like right after chemo is like when that started happening yeah. popping up it might have been jeans or it might have been the chemo I don't know right you don't know um, but I didn't lose my hair so I was like on one hand it was good right but on the other hand it was also like you know the visual cues for cancer most people associate with like with cancer with hair loss. Hair, yeah. hair loss so you know visually I didn't look sick right so when I was going to the office people lots of people didn't even know I was huh. going through chemo because you know I had my hair I didn't lose my eye, eyebrows or right. anything like that so I didn't look quote unquote sick. Right. And that also made me feel sometimes I'm like, Oh, you know, I don't, I don't look sick. Why do I feel shitty? Like it made things, I don't know. It made a different dynamic than if I had been, I think had hair loss, I think. Yeah. And maybe at work people are like, Oh, I, he's cancer, but like, it's probably not that bad. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Right. Right. At least when you have the, um, the hair loss, it's like it puts it out there. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. Yeah. Like it just confront. Whereas when it's like completely hidden, it's you feel like I don't want to go around telling people I have cancer right. either. Right. So you like you feel like you're holding like a little bit of a secret. Yeah. And that's stressful. Um, I don't want to like go around, you know, trying to make a case for you know victimhood or anything. Sure. Sure. So um, I went through the four months of treatment, and then what happened is my company uh, decided to let me go. I had been every month missing about 10 days of work, between six and right. 10 days of just between blood work, tests, chemotherapy, yeah. EKGs, you know, PET scans, tax scans, TC yeah. scans, this scan, that, that, that. Like you miss a lot. Yeah. And, um, so they decided to let me go based on performance, meeting, yeah, imagine, performance right? objectives and not meeting them. And you have a major, major thing going on. Right. It would be reasonable if I hadn't approached them as soon as I was, I was diagnosed and I had approached them and said, look, this is what's going on with me. I was on a, uh-huh. a freelance contract oh, I see. and they were like, yeah, we'll work with you. And I was like, cause we could either, I take a pause and then once I'm good, yeah. I'm back. No, no, we'll work around your schedule right. and be right. completely flexible. And they did. Yeah. But then they decided to they wait. They had to until. know that like you weren't going to hit all of the objectives. Right. Necessarily. And it was, I was opening a new country and new project and everything. And, um, the last week, the, literally the, the week before my last treatment, they let me go. Like the yeah. last treatment. Yeah. Come on. Like, Do it like four months, treatment. you know, earlier or right. something. 
So I let me go, and it's I like was rubbing like, salt in the wound. By oh doing yeah, that. I was destroyed. I was so yeah. angry. Yeah, I'd be I'd be super pissed. I was so angry. Yeah, I was living. Yeah. Um. So I it's decided to take legal action. So now good. I'm, I'm going through a lawsuit with them. Yeah. Uh, that's why I haven't mentioned any names or their yeah, anything. Yeah. But um, it's it's what most helped me is going through chemo because going through chemo and having cancer, right? Luckily I can happily report that I'm good. Uh-huh. Um, cancer free, cancer free as of July, 2018. That's awesome. It's been like a little over a year. The reason that cancer was so important and impactful was just because it pushed me to start my own business. Uh-huh. Like everything, all of what I talked about over like the last 10 years basically was me kind of floating. I yeah. mean, I, it sounds like I probably was very active in doing things, but I wasn't active in taking control of doing the things that I wanted. I decided after that that I wasn't going to be an employee ever again. Mm. It was like, that was like the only decision that I made. And my wife was like, why? <laughs> she, you know, she wasn't like, why? No, she but still, she was like, you know, because it's, it's, it's easier to, to, to get a job that has yeah. your salary, it has your benefits, it right. has all those things. Right. Like, why don't you think about possibly, you know, looking for a job and then maybe, you know, starting a project. Cause I didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. I just knew that I, my first decision was I don't want to work as an employee ever again. Yeah. Like I, I wasn't like, I got this idea uh-huh. and I, I didn't have any idea. I was just like, I don't want to work for, I don't, I don't want to go back on LinkedIn. I don't want to start modifying my profile and yeah. you know, looking for jobs at 36, you know, I don't need, I don't, I want stability. I want to create something for myself. Right. And so I took a month after I got uh, fired. I took a month to look for things and study and yeah. do some investigating on the internet. And thought I could be like a sales um, consultant, like helping people with sales strategies because I like sales. A lot. You yeah, you liked sales from that job yeah. in, in Italy. And uh, so I started my company based off of that, like helping. Um, like executive coaches or business coaches or life coaches uh, create um, a business strategy and a sales plan to help them um, increase their clientele. And it didn't really work very well. Why not? Well, I think I tried to be a coach to coaches and, you know, without having the real experience to, to be able to to coach them, they needed something that was more concrete. You know, people that were in the coaching industry or the education industry or people that were doing trainings, those, those were the type of people that were my ideal clientele. People that were life coaches, business coaches, executive coaches, even fitness coaches. But whenever we would start working together, the friction points of our work always happened at like the digital process. Mm. Like, Okay, so this is what you need to have. You need to be present online, and you need to have these elements in your website. Right. Like these are important. So I would just tell them to go do it. Uh-huh. I would tell them how. Right. And then expect it, and they would always have problems. Right. They'd be like, "Couldn't I just pay you to do yeah, that?" Right. I, those. I mean, I, I totally get that. Like, if I were in that situation, it's like I'm focusing on being a business coach, and I don't have time to web design or right. or even maybe the tools. Obviously, you're giving them the tools. I gave them like, the tools the, and the, gave them the tutorials yeah. and all that kind of stuff. We worked on mindset. We worked on so many things, and the friction point was always there. So then I was like, "Oh, I just need. I should adjust my business to that mm. because people are really needing a solution for." 
something that's ready-made so that they can have a strategy and a, a, an online strategy, a digital strategy connected to their website right. um, through the use of funnels. Right. right? There's, yeah, that, there's your niche right there's there. There's my niche yeah. right there. So I, I changed um, not too long ago, probably about three, four months ago. I started dedicating myself 100% to website construction, funnels, and course construction. It's been it's been great. The company is founded. I've got a, um, a Sociedad Limitada, so it would be like the equivalent to an LLC in uh-huh. the States. The process was difficult to get it all working yeah. it's Spain yeah. paperwork. <laughs> yeah. But it's all it's all set and I feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very it's like this new adventure. Yeah. I'm back in Madrid. I'm like refreshed. Right. New start. New perspective. I met you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of um, really, really interesting it's like a, a cool ecosystem going on in Madrid right now. And my biggest challenge is whether I'm going to really fully dedicate myself to the Spanish speaking market. Right, I was going to ask you. Yeah. Or uh, English speaking market and I've got a lot of presence in the English speaking market but I really see a lot of potential in the Spanish speaking market. So um, my whole website is in Spanish. I'm trying to dedicate myself 100% to that. That's very cool. Um, and also it helps because most people are have some contact with English in the digital sphere. So right. most people have, you know... There's a working knowledge. Right. And all of the English speakers, mostly in Spain, speak some Spanish. So mm. my website can also resonate with them in a way that that well I'm just telling myself that yeah, I, yeah. I don't know well you're gonna I think you're gonna find out yeah probably no uh, that sounds awesome I'm very happy to hear that it's like you have something that's off the ground and it's running and it's and it's yours and there's a purpose that you kind of have I yeah. think you've kind of come I love this we've come kind of like full circle from from kind of being in Italy with that former girlfriend and kind of like hanging out to to this you know, married, two kids, cancer-free. I have to say it's been a great um, journey living abroad, and I wouldn't have been able to do this had I been in the States. I think the biggest thing that, um, I mean, I probably could have, but just my life circumstances would have put me at a severe disadvantage being in the States with cancer and with my um, facial paralysis, with Ramsey-Hunt syndrome, I know that my cancer treatment alone would have cost like 200, between 200 and 250,000 to treat. Yeah. And it was all completely, completely subsidized here in, in Europe. Oh, wow. And um, I mean, I had to pay for occasional sure. test results yeah. or something like that. Like, I think in total over the course of the year, I might have spent, I don't know, 200, 200 euros or Still. You know, just occasional visits or something, occasional costs here and there. But for the most part, it was, it's free. You know, yeah. and um, that really, really it sounds like a political plug. <laughs> right, right. Come but, to Europe; you're going to get some good uh, right. healthcare. <laughs> but no, it helped me. It helped free me up. I, yeah. I couldn't imagine um, having to have my back up against the wall like this with business idea and kids and and suddenly in debt to the cancer payments. Yeah, right. The lifestyle here has allowed me to to really flourish in a way that I don't think I could in in the states. Yeah, and under you know that's my. Yeah, opinion. I think this is the best way to to wrap things up, full circle, and want to wish you the best with the new business. Thanks, man. And thanks for being here. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. it's, It's my pleasure.
Thanks again for listening. I loved going full circle with Ryan in this episode, especially hearing how coming out of a life-threatening situation helped him focus after he felt like he was floating professionally for many years. It's a good reminder that you never know what can happen. As mentioned, the last few episodes of the season are coming soon, so please do take a second to write to me or leave me a voicemail, and I hope to see you next time.